stages in the uh, growth and development of a disciple. So stages of discipleship. Um, first, let me comment that it's quite important that discipleship is intentional, both on the part of the teacher, the discipler, and the student, the one who's being discipled. There are many people who uh, are being discipled unawares, and that doesn't work. Uh, the teacher gets frustrated. I've uh, experienced some of my own friends who say, I'm trying to disciple this person, and he's not, he's resisting, and so on. If somebody is resisting being discipled, they're not going to be discipled. Let us face it. So there has to be a heart-to-heart discussion and a decision on both parts. I am your teacher, you are my student. Many people want to be humble, and they don't want to be teachers, or don't want to assume that position. It doesn't work. Discipleship is very clear. The relationship is clear. Jesus clarified, I am your teacher, you are my disciples. You obey my commandments. Now, of course, we're not discipling people for ourselves. We're, discipling, we're dis- making disciples for Jesus. So they must obey Jesus' commandments. But we are the catalyst to help them do that. Like we are disciples of Jesus, they come and work with us because of our own experience and years of ministry and maturity. We must be able to impart on the new believer the things that we have learned from Jesus and then make them dependent on Jesus over time. Now let me talk a little bit about dependency. Dependency is a tricky thing. Some uh, teachers do not want to build dependency, uh, and so they try not to uh, make the people depend on them too much or too soon. Others, on the other hand, they thrive on that dependency, and they never let go of that person or let them mature on their own. So they continue to um, be part of their lives and Almost everything that the disciple uh, does has to go through them. Both of these extremes are wrong. That's why it's important to identify the three stages of uh, spiritual development in the discipleship phase. (coughs) The first stage is dependence. It's normal for a baby to be 100% dependent on the mother. The first few months, even up to a certain time, a year, two years, uh, uh, the baby is nursing on the mother almost exclusively with a little bit of support after six months or one year, depending on the mother. The point is, the first stage of growth is the milk phase, when uh, someone is totally dependent on the one who has led them to Jesus Christ. There are those who, from the very beginning of being saved, they contact me, they text me, email me almost every day. One person, I had to limit him because he was writing me almost by the hour. It was the summer, so he did not have school, and he was writing me all the time, asking me questions. And in the beginning, I enjoyed that very much. 
but there's a stage where we need to move him to the next phase. Let's look first at this milk phase stage from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. The Apostle Peter, who himself was a disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, challenges us in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 2, says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This challenge is for the new believer to continue to gra- crave the spiritual milk. This is the milk phase. Uh, like the deer pants for the living water, my soul pants for you. We need to instill in the new convert a desire, a hunger, and a thirst for righteousness, a thirst for God's Word, a thirst for Jesus, a thirst for the milk that will grow them into maturity. This is the first phase. Um, The second phase is when you start feeding yourself. The first phase is you feed on others. The second phase is you feed yourself. This is when we need maturity in our discipleship of others, that we don't keep them dependent on us all the time. We, we wean them out of ourselves. Frankly, I cannot disciple a hundred people, but I can disciple a few at a time. And when these have gone on, and now they can self-feed, I'm able to feed others. So every six months to a year, I have a new batch of people I'm discipling because the others are moving on, feeding themselves and also moving to the third stage, which is feeding others, which we will get to in a minute. So the stage two, feeding self. We look at Hebrews 5, verse 12. In the book of Hebrews, we have this challenge for us in verse 12. Uh, Let me read from 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. This is a rebuke for those who have remained dependent. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who, uh, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Uh, In the book of Hebrews, is challenging the person who is in the milk phase to move beyond that to get to the solid food so they can feed and grow. What does this mean in a practical sense? In the milk phase, we have the assurance of salvation, identity in Christ, with elementary things about salvation, about forgiveness of sin, how to forgive others, and so on. But in the uh, solid food phase, we need to get into doctrine. We need to get them to learn the character of God, who Jesus is, 
uh, their, the promises of God, uh, prayer and fasting, uh, and the spiritual disciplines, which we will get to a little bit later. But now I'm identifying the three stages of growth and development. And I do tell from the beginning, the new convert, these stages. We're going to go through this. You need to map out the course of the whole discipleship with the person you are discipling. You need to say to them, from this time to this time, we're going to study this milk phase. Here we do the solid food, and here you're going to start being fruitful and feeding others. When they have the vision of where they are headed, they're more likely to cooperate and desire and get excited about it. I have people right now who are in the pipelines waiting to be discipled. I say, this is your start time, this is your end time. So this is an intentional process, not something you do just once in a while. And by the way, I want to stress, discipleship is not just about a Bible study. Some people think that if they're having a Bible study once a week, in fact, one of my interns, uh, just two weeks ago, I asked him the question, have you been discipled before? He said, oh yes. He said, who discipled you? What was the content of the, uh, of the discipleship? And basically it was somebody who was mature in the church, who invited him to a Bible study with a small group, and they were just reading whatever. It could be Isaiah, it could be Genesis, it could be Hebrews, it could be any book from the Bible. This is a Bible study. This is not a discipleship plan. Discipleship needs to be intentional. There should be a course. There are specific topics and issues that every new believer needs to learn. And you cannot wait to do a Bible study. In fact, if you do a chapter a week, it takes 24 years to go through the Bible. 1,189 chapters. So you can't wait for them to read the whole Bible over years and years and years to get all the things that they need to uh, nourish them. That's why many people never grow up. If you are dependent on just going to church, hearing a pastor preach once a week, or even if you add to that a Bible study once a week, you will not grow mature enough to handle the problems with temptation and sin and hardships of life and persecution for sure. So uh, the Hebrews passage encourages us and challenges us to move to the uh, deeper issues of the faith and to teach it to them in a way that they can uh, incorporate it into their lives. And we need to teach them to self-study, not always study with them. There's a period of time when you are meeting with them all the time. In recent years, I've learned to give them homework so that they can study at home. Many of them come to the class, they have not studied. They have not read the scripture. Why? Because they're dependent on me. I'm still there uh, uh, nursing them in a sense. So I challenge them, next week you're going to come prepared. Maybe I will lower the load. Instead of asking them to spend an hour a day, I would have them uh, do a, a smaller passage or something. But they must begin to train themselves to study and learn the Word of God on their own. Provide for them 
38. Why not have a list of commentaries and lexicons and concordance so that they know? Uh, today uh, we have it all electronically, so you can help them find the right uh, software or applications uh, to uh, aid them in their self-study. Self-study is the thing that is going to uh, help them to grow and mature even more than what you will teach them. You can continue to be in their lives. You can continue to coach them, mentor them, and deal with issues, whether they're theological issues or lifestyle issues, but they need to phase themselves into more full maturity. Just like a, a, a baby grows dependent on the parents until a certain time, now they're 18 years old, they're going to college, they're independent, they're on their own, and it would be ideal if they can even take care of themselves financially. But the parents continue to help them a little bit uh, until they are able to support themselves. Thankfully, I have four children now, and none of them depend on me anymore for financial support, although we still have a good relationship and uh, meet other needs. Let's now move to the third stage. The third stage is the most important and most critical, and that is feeding others. Every person is born to reproduce. This was the uh, topic of a little booklet that I read when I was with the Navigators. And we, it's called Born to Reproduce. We are born to reproduce, but you don't reproduce immediately when you are born. You're born, you grow, you have the milk phase, the maturity, the solid food, and then you get married, and then you can have children that you can feed, and you can help them become independent, and the cycle goes on and on. In the same way, in the spiritual realm, we need to see the disciple grow from the milk phase to the solid food to feed themselves, but with the challenge that at one time in their lives they need to be reproducing. Jesus said in John 15:16, He says, You did not choose me, I have chosen you and sent you to go and bear fruit, and fruit that will last. And in verses before, in John 15, it says, much fruit. So we need to challenge the new believers uh, to think ahead of time that one day, in the next year, in the next two years, you're going to be uh, mature enough to lead others to faith. Now, of course, in the physical realm, there are so many years. A teenager cannot be 18 years old overnight. He has to continue to grow and mature from 11 to 12 to 13 to 18, 21. But in the spiritual, there's one advantage to the spiritual, is that while you are growing, you can also be fruitful. It was wonderful. Uh, just recently, like three months ago, I got an email from somebody. When I saw his name, Maher, I said, who is this Maher? And it just brought some memories. Then I opened the email and I read it. Here's someone I had led to the Lord in college in the freshman year. And I discipled him, continued to work with him through senior year. We were both in the same school. The greatest joy that I 
had in discipling this man is that one day I saw him sitting in the same classroom where I led him to Christ and I was doing the four spiritual laws on the blackboard. It was blackboard then with white chalk. And I saw him do the same thing with someone else. So it was a big smile on my face. And I went away, of course, did not want to disturb them. Later on at uh, the noon break, I asked him, what was going on? He said, the same thing that you did with me, I did with this person. And now he has accepted Jesus Christ. And the things you have taught me, I am passing on to him and I'm teaching. And this reminds us of what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this is what I call the 2-2-2 verse. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, let's read beginning with verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We need to develop strong believers. We're not here just to save people. Many are stuck on the salvation. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was in Tunisia. I preached the gospel. I called people to come forward. Seven people came forward. I stood there looking at them with joy, but also with sadness, because I was not sure that those seven people will be discipled after I leave. I was there just a few days. Will they be discipled? And I stress on the leaders there, please hang on to those people. Visit them. Take their phone numbers. Contact them. Continue to nurture them and uh, to full maturity. Because from my past experiences, many fall away. They, they respond well to the message of the gospel, but it's more difficult to disciple them. That is where um, we, uh, we need to be challenged the most, in the area of discipleship. So much so that I have often told missionaries, stop evangelizing. Like when you have a baby, you don't keep making more babies. You take care of this baby before the Lord gives you another one. When you work hard to find one person to come to Jesus Christ, spend the rest of the time with them until you find them to full maturity, then you have someone to train you and this person can go and witness to others. And you will see what I have seen with Maher, who finally, 40 years ago, find, found me again, wrote me an email. It was a great joy to reconnect with him after losing him for many years, for four decades. The third phase is to feed others. In Timothy 2, he says, And the things you have heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses. And this reminds me also of what Jesus did. Jesus discipled 12 men in the presence of thousands of people. In Matthew 5, for example, when the crowds came uh, and he took them to the mountain by the Sea of Galilee, the scripture is very clear. It says, And the disciples came near to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them. Now there were thousands there, but he was teaching his disciples in the presence of many witnesses. This is where it's a reality 
show. It's a reality discipleship. It's anchored in life, not just a Bible study in a room altogether. But you take that person with you as you're teaching them. You're, uh, they are also learning how you are teaching others. And the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Brothers and sisters, there are four generations represented in this one verse. The first is Paul. As we know from the book of Acts, Paul was influential in the life of Timothy, and he intentionally called him my son, and I am your father. He says, you have many teachers, but you have only one father. So uh, Paul recognized that he was discipling Timothy. And we have the two epistles to Timothy showing that he was still instructing him, even though he had left him to pastor the church in Ephesus. The, um, the people and the church of, uh, that uh, Paul wrote to Ephesians. And so Timothy was a pastor there. And he continued to entrust him because, uh, to, to uh, instruct him and teach him because he was young. He was not experienced. And uh, told him, let people not despise your usefulness. That's an indication he was young. Let's not leave people alone. When I began to work with Kosovo, I left those people and came to the States. I continued to write them. In the, in the early days, there were no email. I would just write a letter and put it in the mail and send it to them to encourage them, to ask about them. They knew that when they got a letter from me, they opened it quickly and they read it to each other in the same way Paul wrote these epistles to the churches. So that's the first is Paul. Second is Timothy himself, who came to Christ, was discipled by Paul, and now Paul is instructing him what you learn from me, give it to other people. And these are the qualifications of these other people. First of all, give it uh, to reliable men. Reliable men. Why is he looking for reliable men? We're not looking just for souls. We're looking for people who can reproduce themselves, who can multiply themselves into the lives of others. And then he uses the word entrust. Because the whole message of the gospel is a trust. We are stewards of that message. Not to keep it to ourselves, not to just be saved, but be, go beyond our salvation, beyond the salvation of the next generation, into the next, and the next, and the next, and on and on. So Paul instructs Timothy to pass on to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. It's about teaching those who are reliable to teach it to others who are qualified to teach it to others. And then he says, endure hardships with us. So the work of discipleship goes into these three stages of the milk phase, the solid phase, and then the fruitfulness phase. Feeding others to teach others what you have learned from the person who discipled you and, uh, and nurtured you in the faith. I pray that this lesson has helped you 
identify the strategy that you will have with the disciples. To give them those three stages of development. Maybe you can create more stages, but these are the major stages. From a baby, to an adult, to a reproducing adult. And may the Lord bless you and use you, because this is the key to multiplication, discipleship.